Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Circling the Bases. My name is Chris Crawford. I hope that everyone had a great holiday weekend. Thank you for tuning in. And I wanted to remind everybody that at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, before we get started on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, to please come check out our live recordings. We are live via YouTube, via Twitch, and all you have to do is search NBC Sports Edge. Come check out the show. It's a lot of fun, and we can answer your questions there. Really fun way to ingest the show, but we appreciate any way that you are uh, digesting this show. We really do appreciate it. All right, so we're going to do it just like we've done the last two Mondays. We're going to answer your questions, mostly prospect-related, but we have a couple that are not necessarily prospect-related this time, and then we'll go get into the top 10 prospects for the 2022 seasons. Two new names with two prospects coming off the board, so it should be fun. But thank you again. Please submit your questions. Uh, you can DM me at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. I'll leave you anonymous so you're not having your teammates know what you're up to. But yeah, I really do appreciate everybody who sent in some excellent questions. And we'll start off with the first question, which is such a fun one, because this is going to be something that I think is debated for a little while. Twitter user asks me, how would you rank the shortstop prospects from the 2021 draft class? So really, you're talking about three names, I think, here in Marcelo Mayer, Jordan Lawler, and Kalia Watson. And that is the order that they were drafted in. Uh, uh, Meyer was the fourth pick. Uh, Jordan Lawler went to, ended up going sixth, I believe, to the Arizona Diamondbacks. It's either sixth or seventh. It really doesn't matter. And then I believe 15th is Kalia Watson. If I was to rank them right now, I would still have Lawler at number one. But I'm telling you right now, there is a chance. And I know this is going to come off as a hot take. And I, I'm not usually hot take McGee, but Today, I'm going to play Hot Tig McGee. There is not only a chance that Kalia Watson is the top shortstop prospect from the 2021 class. There is a chance that at on April 17th, 2023, at 6, 7 p.m. Pacific time, which is when I'm recording this right now, that Kalia Watson isn't just the best shortstop prospect from that class and not just the best shortstop prospect. There is a chance he's the best prospect in baseball. I'll give you a couple of seconds to think about that. And I know that's saying a lot. And some of that has to do with the fact that it looks like we're going to have a ton of guys graduate from last year's class. You saw how many prospects ended up making major league rosters. And most of those guys are not going to get sent down or heaven help us make sure we don't have a bunch of injuries that make them eligible for the next year. But so it does have something to do with that. But Kalia Watson has a chance to be really really special. And if you just like take a look at the numbers, like what he's done 
over his first taste of really professional baseball. I mean, it's sensational. He is a left-handed hitter. And to be fair, he did play a little bit in the rookie league last year, by the way, posted a 1.130 OPS. But so far in eight games for Jupiter, this young man is hitting 333, 394, 867 slugging percentage with four home runs, and he's stolen a couple of bases. So the reason Khalil Watson fell down that list or fell down in that position had absolutely nothing to do with his baseball ability. It was signability, and Miami had to give him a $4.54 million contract, which I believe is the largest bonus it's ever given a high school position player, which is, you know, for a Marlins team, unfortunately, that has been drafting pretty darn high for a long time. That is saying something. There was also a little bit of concern about the fact that this guy is five foot nine, 178 pounds. That's what he's listed at. Probably a little shorter than that, maybe a little thicker now. But this guy has plus tools across the board. And I think it might even be plus plus tools in a lot of places. Like that power is going to be legit, despite the fact that he is not the biggest guy in the world because his bat speed is so impressive and there's so much natural loft in his left handed swing. He's an easy plus plus runner. I don't see any reason why he can't stick at shortstop unless. You know, weirder things have happened, and it's worth pointing out that he just turned 19 the day before we started recording. Happy birthday, Khalil Watson. But I would rank him at number one. The The upside is huge. I, excuse me. I would rank him number two, even though I think his upside is holler, higher than Lawler's. I just think Jordan Lawler is a little bit better fantasy prospect because I see more chance of him stealing bases. And it's, you know, it's kind of nitpicking a little bit. Um, a part of this is also because I had Lawler ranked higher to begin the year. Um, you could really go a couple of ways here. I, I, they're both going to be guys who I rank in my top 10 on Monday. And by the way, again, for those who uh, want to look for prospect rankings, I update my top 100 list in real time every Monday. So if a player gets called up, they come off the top 100 list and I add a new prospect. Not a lot of people do that. I think it's a pretty cool feature. I would definitely recommend and i'll give you a way to subscribe to that in just a second but i think lawler is just uh, the higher floor with plenty of ceiling and then i rank meyer third but Meyer's a legitimate top 15 fantasy prospect guy who has a chance to hit for average chance to hit for power not so sure about the steals and again we're talking about fantasy baseball in a traditional five by five league those stolen base totals matter in real life i would say meyer has the highest floor because he is probably the most ready of the prospects, I guess you would say. It's weird to say about a high school guy. What a loaded uh, class that is. So if you if you made me rank them, I would go Lawler, Watson, Meyer. But I will say that after a couple of weeks, there's a very good chance that that order could change. And I should point out, too, Lawler is off to a very good start in his first full season. So it's nothing against him. It's just Khalil Watson. The reports I am getting right now, and you just look at the numbers, and the numbers do matter, are just spectacular. So if you had to add one, I would add Lawler, but I wouldn't blame anybody for going to get Watson. And again, Meyer is much better than a consolation prize. This has a chance to be a very special shortstop uh, shortstop class. Uh, Question number two, can you give me an under-the-radar pitching prospect in the American League who can help this year? So I always struggle with under the radar for a couple of reasons. I am just just a soul whose intentions are good, but I am just one person, and I don't know what qualifies as under the radar or not. I don't know. I don't do a a whole lot of looking at other people's top 100s list. 
you know, I, I take a look at some friends of mine who, who send me stuff and I take a look at uh, some other people's stuff when it's sent to me. Sure. But I don't go perusing for other people's stuff because I really prefer to just have kind of my own thing. I, I think it's dangerous that you can get into groupthink. I'm not any better than they are. They are better than me, to be completely honest with you. So, but again, what counts as under the radar and what counts as unheralded and all type of that stuff is very subjective. But I will give you a name, and it's a guy who plays for a team that is not necessarily known for under the radar in the New York Yankees. But I really like this guy, and I think he's been really impressive to start the year, and I should just probably tell you his name instead of uh, treating it like it's a teaser for next week's show. It's Hayden Wisnecki. Now, Hayden Wisnecki was not a high draft pick. He was a guy who went in like, I want to say like the sixth round out of Sam Houston, uh, maybe even sixth round. Yeah, sixth round pick in 2019, who did not have a lot of fanfare. And then in 2021, all the guy did was strike out 151 batters in 130 innings. And this year so far, he has yet to allow an earned run in eight and two thirds innings and eight strikeouts. Now the Yankees rotation does have a lot of names in it. But I think Wisnicki has a really good chance to make starts. This is a guy with a fastball that grades 60, a slider that grades 60. Again, we're talking about on the 2080 scale, so plus on both of these pitches. Slider might actually be a little bit higher than that. Um, it's uh, It just kind of depends on what day you see, but there's a lot of sweep to it. Uh, fastball has a lot of sinking action. I think those are pitches are going to miss bats. Also has an average changeup. Doesn't have to be much more than that in order to be successful. Throws all of these pitches for strikes and his command. So we talk about control and command not being necessarily the same thing, but the ability to actually locate his stuff keeps getting better. Velocity really shouldn't be a concern. He can get up to 98, 99, more, more 96, 97, but um, that is certainly going to be plenty of velocity. Throws a lot of strikes. I do think that he has a chance to make starts for New York. You know, there are some names like Luis Heal and Davey Garcia and Clark Schmidt who are interesting as well in that New York system. But I think Hayden Wisnecki has a real shot to be better than everybody on that list except for Heal. And, you know, it's going to be a situation where it kind of depends on what the Yankees want to do. But if they turn to Wisnecki, I think he's somebody fantasy managers should go grab. Uh, A borderline top 100 prospect for me right now. But has a little bit higher floor than some other arms because of his ability to locate that stuff and the fact that he's pitching well already in AAA. It's pretty exciting. Not the sexiest name I think I'll ever name, but I really do think that Wes Necky has a chance for fantasy pre- uh, fantasy success, and it could come as soon as 2022. Uh, here's a non-prospect question, even though it kind of feels like one because both of these are young guys. Would you drop Devin Williams for Andre Munoz? This is a fun one. And it's partially being asked, I think, because of the fact that Williams is not off to a very good start, Um, you know, after his uh, he still finished with good number. It's worth pointing out that he's basically struggled a little bit to start um, the last two years. And last year, he still had awesome numbers, ended up striking out 87 batters in 54 innings with a more than respectable 2.50 ERA. But he's off to a 7.71 ERA right now. He's given up two runs in two and a third innings. He's walked three batters. He has struck out six, so that swing and miss stuff is still there. But I'll say this. I may not drop Devin Williams for Andre Munoz. I would drop somebody for Andre Munoz because I really think 
He is the best reliever on the Mariners right now and has a really good chance of earning saves sometime soon. There's no guarantee. You can't really guarantee anything with this Mariner bullpen right now. I mean, they've been using all of their guys. It almost seems like they're showcasing these guys because everybody's getting a chance to pitch at a different point in uh, the pitching at, at different points, like high leverage situations, medium leverage situations. Saw Drew Steckenrider, who looked like he was going to be the closer after the first game come in in a five run game today in like the seventh inning. So there's just does no real pattern that you can pick up here. It is worth pointing out that Ken Giles is expected back by the end of April or early start of May, and he could be getting some save opportunities as one of the higher paid guys. But Andre Munoz has a chance to be really special. So he gave up two runs in his first appearance, but I want to caution you that those two runs came on one of the most impressive home runs I've ever seen, the Byron Buxton homer that was basically uh, at his neck on a 101-mile-per-hour pitch with movement that he absolutely clobbered for like 436, 436 feet. I mean, he is uh, – Byron Buxton is just special, and hopefully we get to see him back sooner than later. But Munoz since then has been outstanding. He struck out eight straight batters at one point this year. Uh, another scoreless inning again on Sunday where he did give up a hit and he only struck out one. Poor guy. The swing and miss stuff is elite. He throws as hard as any pitcher in baseball really. Um, has been as high as 102.8 miles per hour, which is just ridiculous with some good movement. And the slider just keeps getting better. What once looked like an average pitch now looks like a legitimate plus offering. So I think Andre Munoz is somebody that I would want rostered for the chance to get those saves because I really do think if the Mariners are contending that Andre Munoz is going to be the guy that actually ends up getting those saves with all due respect to Paul Sewald and Steckenrider and Giles and Diego Castilla, who are all capable of pitching in the ninth inning. But there's something special about him. And I think either way, it sounds like if you're dropping Devin Williams, you're not necessarily concerned about saves so much. You're talking about rates. And I think he has a chance to be that special reliever where he doesn't have to get saves to be fantasy relevant because he's that good at basing bats and limiting hard contact. Outside of that home run to Buxton, there has not been much. So yes, Andre Munoz is somebody I would want to roster, even without the chance for saves. I don't think I can drop Devin Williams yet. If you invested in him, just I know it's frustrating right now that the numbers aren't so great, but the FIP suggests that he's had some bad luck. Six strikeouts again in two and a third inning. So drop somebody else if you can, but I would be looking to pick up Andre Munoz. Uh, another question that does not have any prospect relevance, but he's one of my favorite players to watch, but is going through some stuff right now. A uh, Twitter follower asked, is Joey Votto done? I don't think so, but I will admit I've watched a lot of Joey Votto this year and it does not look great. Now, again, it's April 17th right now, and you're listening to this podcast on April 18th probably before any games have been played. So a very, very small sample size for Joey Votto. But if you take a look at the numbers, they're pretty ugly. This guy right now, their 37 plate appearances is hitting 129, 270, 161. That's a 432 OPS. Doesn't have a homer yet. Has struck out 12 times in 37 plate appearances. And if you look at the metrics too, they're pretty ugly as well. So again, Metrics aren't necessarily predictive, but they give you an idea if there's been some good luck or bad luck. It kind of looks like Joey Votto has earned these poor numbers right now. 
expected batting average, he's in the bottom sixth percentile. Expected slugging percentage in the bottom 11th. K, 19, K percentage is in the 19th percentile. Hard hit percentage is only in the 26th percentile. The only thing is, I will say, is that Joey Votto looked kind of shaky to begin the year last year and then ended up putting together a really solid fantasy baseball season. And if you're playing in a points league or on base percentage league, I think the overall numbers are going to be okay just because his approach is so good at the plate. And I'll be honest with you, too. Some of this, it's tough for me to ignore the fact that Joey Votto has been one of my favorite players for a very long time. I thought his interview, by the way, on opening day or was just fantastic. Uh, that was so great to see. And that's the time when you do interviews, folks. It's not during postseason games. It's in regular season games. It's that when you, when you talk to players. But Joey Votto has an awesome career after this. Uh, the, the other part of this question was he either has to drop Joey Votto or Bobby Dahlbeck. I actually probably would drop Dahlbeck before I dropped Votto. Part of this is because I have just never been quite as high on Dahlbeck as everybody else. I think he could be a serviceable player, but there's so much swing and miss, very good power to go with the swing and miss. And he doesn't draw those same type of like walks. So you're not going to get the on-base percentage. You're not going to get probably as much chances to score runs as Joey Votto does. So if I was dropping one of the two, I would probably drop Dahlbeck. Having said that, if you have Joey Votto as your first baseman one, I think you got to start looking elsewhere. There's some names you know, like Ty France and players like that who make more sense to me as those starting first basemen, maybe too late, but I may be looking to trade for a guy like that because there is a chance, especially at the age of 38, that Joey Votto is just not going to be fantasy relevant. And boy, does that hurt my heart. Uh, another question here, Sandy Gaston, what path do you see for him? So a lot of you probably aren't familiar with him. He's a guy who signed out of Cuba by the Rays fairly high for so again it's tough to say exactly how famous the signing was because we're talking about prospects really struggled to throw strikes for a while there a a prospect who if command was probably around 30 right now and you know is not having a real good time over his first two games in four and two thirds innings he's already walked five batters he's only struck out two he has an era of 19.29 when your ERA is a good points per game average in basketball, it's not a great thing. Very small sample size, though. And this stuff is electric. We are talking about 96 to 101 miles per hour on the fastball, above average slider. We'll show a curveball and change that have all of the stuff suggests that he can start, but he's really got to improve his command. So if it was me, I would fast track the arm move him into relief and see if he can be that high leverage reliever guy. But because the Rays are so loaded in prospects, they're going to give this guy every chance to start. I think he's kind of fantasy irrelevant right now because I really just don't see him throwing enough strikes unless the command improves. And it has improved. It did get better last year, but we're still talking about a guy that walked, I believe, 35 guys in 50 innings. That's not going to work. You have to throw more consistent strikes than that. Um, so I think he's going to be more high leverage reliever. If you're playing in a real deep dynasty league, it's an interesting hold because maybe he's a guy who ends up becoming a closer. But it wouldn't shock me if Gaston just became just a cautionary tale of the fact that young pitchers often cannot throw strikes. And it's a very difficult thing to figure out, even if they're in one of the best player development systems in the world. And to call Tampa Bay one of the best player development systems in the world is the understatement of understatements. And then finally, fun one to close on. 
Does Francisco Alvarez take meaningful at-bats for the Mets in 2022? I'll be honest, I went really back and forth on this, but I'm going to go with yes. And the reason being is because, one, Francisco Alvarez is really good, might be a top-five prospect. That's another thing I keep going back and forth on. He's going to be pretty close anyway. And part of that, again, has to do with the fact that I can't count guys like Witt and Julio and Torkelson who have already been called up for my list. But the other part of it is this guy's really good. And I think we're talking about 70 power. I think we're talking about a hit tool that could be 55 to 60, an excellent defensive catcher. And the fact of the matter is, all due respect to the guys they have there, like James McCann, if Francisco Alvarez is ready to go, the Mets are in a position where it makes more sense to play Alvarez than it doesn't. Now, if I had to make a guess, if I was, if somebody came to me and said, you have to make a bet right now on if Francisco Alvarez makes his debut in 2022, I would say yes. But would it shock me if 2023 is the develop when he comes up? No, not at all. And a lot of this is going to have to be based on whether or not he gets a promotion uh, to AAA anytime soon. As of Sunday, as far as I know, he's still playing in AA. And, you know, that's you just don't see a ton of catchers get that move up. Uh, by the way, the numbers, six games, 375, 429, 1,000 slugging percentage. Already homered four times in those six games. He is special. Three doubles. A couple of walks, seven strikeouts, not a horrid, not an abhorrent rate by any stretch of the imagination. So, yes, if I was guessing right now, I would say he does make that debut this year. It wouldn't shock me if it's 2023. But as soon as Alvarez gets that call up, you need to run to pick him up, like sprint, run whatever, wherever you got to go to make sure that you add him to your lineup because he can be a catcher one as soon as this year. Again, catchers often struggle, and we'll talk about one of them in a little bit. Uh, that hasn't got a chance to make his debut, and it's the one of the reasons why people are concerned, in terms of fantasy anyway. But the upside is so, so good with Francisco Alvarez. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So the 2022 season is well underway, and NBC Sports Edge is giving our listeners a very special offer. You can get 22% off an annual Edge Plus subscription when you use promo code BASES22. Get expert insight and access to tools that will give you an edge against your competition at one low price. 
Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus. Use promo code BASIS22, that's BASIS22, one word, at checkout to save big this season. So let's go over the top 10, and we have two names. And I'll go a little quicker than I've been the last couple of times, partially because I don't want to bore you in two, because I'll be repeating myself an awful lot if I don't. There are two names, new names, so Mackenzie Gore and Nick Lodolo, both off the list now because they're making their major league debuts. I thought Lodolo pitched okay. I thought Mackenzie Gore pitched really well against a very tough lineup. I, I was more impressed than unimpressed. I almost said disimpressed, which isn't a word. Um, but yeah, I thought Gore, a very nice job in his start. Gore, uh, Lodolo wasn't great, but enough flashes for me to believe that he does have a chance of fantasy relevance. And just real quick, Hunter Green, my goodness gracious, how impressive was that? I know he ended up giving the, up the three runs, but goodness, that was so fun to see. And it's awesome to see from a pitcher who missed that much time, but is still only 22 and already throwing that hard. All right. So number 10, uh, dropping down a couple of spots actually is Brendan Davis. Not so much about the fact that he's struggling. He is having a little bit of trouble in AAA right now, but it's more about the fact that I don't think there's really an opening in that Cubs outfield right now. I still think he's going to make his debut this year. Otherwise, he wouldn't be on this list. A chance to contribute in a bunch of categories. Obviously, he's going to need to show more success. And it also will either take a trade or an injury for him to get that chance to come up. But I'm still a very big believer in Brennan Davis in long term. And I think he can be fantasy relevant in 2022 as well. At number nine, our first new name is Gabriel Moreno, a catcher for the Toronto Blue Jays. So Moreno didn't get a chance to make his debut until a little later in the season, but he has handled the uh, AAA pitching with no problem so far in four games, 389, 421, 500. One of the most improved prospects in terms of last year, and I'll, I will be readily willing to admit the fact that I was too late on this guy because a bunch of people told me how much they really liked Moreno and I should have jumped on it. And instead I was dumb and was a little too late. Obviously I'm correcting now uh, because I think he's a top 20 prospect in baseball. It's just crazy how good the catching position is right now, but this is a 22 year old. If we're talking about grades, we're talking about 60 hits, 60 power. It's also a very good defender behind the plate. Not elite, but very good. Shouldn't have any problems sticking there. I guess your biggest question mark for him in 2022 is the Blue Jays have a bunch of catchers. So it may take a trade or just Gabriel Gabriel Moreno tearing the cover off the baseball to get that call up. So far, so good in that case. As soon as he gets that call up. Similar to Francisco Alvarez, I think you need to run to pick him up. At number eight, we've talked about him a bunch, and now we're finally adding him to the list. It's Tristan Cases. Uh, Tristan Cases, you know, the the concern I'll just start off with first is literally first. It's the fact that he is limited to first base. And, you know, that means that the bat basically has to backs out. And there are a lot of really good first basemen in baseball right now. And there are some good first base prospects. But, I mean, this guy can really hit. 282, 425, 64. At AAA, a, doing it at a fairly young age, age 22, that'll definitely play. You know, he's not going to help you in the stolen base category, but he can hit for average and he can hit for power. And he can really hit for power. He's also a guy who uses the whole field in that terms of that. You can see a ton of doubles off that green monster. I think he's going to make his debut this summer. The reason why I'm ranking him lower is because of first base. And I just can't say when he's going to make that debut. Can't say when any of these guys are going to make their debut. 
tried very hard to develop a tool that allows me to tell you when everybody's coming up. It just hasn't happened yet. But Tristan Cases is absolutely fancy, fantasy relevant in 2022, I would say. Number seven, Grayson Rodriguez. And, it, it, you know, we're not talking about a lot of guys that it's easy to make a case for service time manipulation. I think you can kind of do it with Tristan Cases, or excuse me, with Grayson Rodriguez a little bit. Two games, nine innings pitched, 15 strikeouts. Um, in his last start on Thursday, five innings, did give up two runs, but he struck out eight without walking anybody. It's allowing a 138 average. He is the best pitching prospect in baseball, and that's not even count like discounting players like uh, Hunter Green being up and stuff like that. No, Grayson Rodriguez is a better pitching prospect than Hunter Green, which should, which is a compliment to Rodriguez and not an insult to Green. He should be up right now. I would guess it's sometime in May. The only thing you have to be worried about here is the fact that he is just not going to get a ton of wins because Baltimore is terrible. Uh, number six, Jaron Duran. So again, Duran got off to a late start as well because of a positive test for COVID-19. Said uh, no, tra- He came back on April 17th, finally got one hit. Uh, hasn't hit a homer yet, but he's hitting 333, 467, 417. All of the skills to be successful as a fantasy baseball player Above average power, plus plus run tool. Uh, hit tool is probably closer to 50 than 55, but somewhere in that middle mark, he can hit 260, he can hit 270. Issue here is where is he going to play? Because the Red Sox outfield does seem full. If he was to be traded, I think that value just shoot, shoot, shoots up. But I still think he's going to be able to finish the year. I really believe in him. I know a lot of people have kind of dropped him down on lists. I'm not doing it. I still think Jaron Duran as a chance to be a very successful player. I'm still betting that it's going to happen this year. At number five, Riley Green. We've talked about it ad nauseum. At Riley Green is out right now. Is expected back somewhere in the summer point. Again, he was going to be the starting center fielder before his foot injury. The good news was he did avoid that, uh, did avoid surgery, which is obviously great news. The, the, the question mark here is when is he going to get that call up? And there's no guarantee but I still have a bit number five because he would have been a top two or three prospect on this list before that injury because he can do a little bit of everything. Wish you could stash him on your injured list, but you can't. And that's just the nature of the situation. But Riley Green is someone you have to add when the Tigers do the same. At number four, Alec Thomas, outfielder for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He got off to a little bit of a slow start. A lot of these prospects got off to a little bit of a slow start. Pitching is much better in AAA than it was last year, let's just say that. But now hitting a respectable 273, 327, 432. Guy can do a little bit of everything, kind of like a poor man's Riley Green, which is a weird thing to say about a prospect, but it is what it is. Hit and a power, all a chance to be above average, plus run tool. We've talked about it a little bit. He's a very good defensive player, but he's not a great stolen base threat just yet. He needs to work on his jumps. But he's only 21 years old. He turns 22 in a couple of weeks. It's just a matter of when the Diamondbacks decide it's time to start his clock. I would imagine it's sometime in May. And I really do think he's one of the few players on Arizona who has a chance to actually matter in fantasy leagues. At number three, so this is a big jump up, Nolan Gorman. To say Nolan Gorman is hot right now is the understatement of understatements. Like He got off to a pretty slow start. Again, a lot of these guys did. But he is killing the baseball right now. Absolutely. Just not being nice to it whatsoever. And 
let's look at these numbers because if you don't believe me, how about 351, 415, 838? In AAA, and I believe that's with six homers so far in 10 games. That'll work. Has driven himself in as the only RBI so far, but who cares? RBI are not a stat that you should be paying attention to at the prospect level. Probably shouldn't be paying attention to him at all, but we got to talk to a lot of fantasy people about that. I really like this bat a lot, and a guy who I think is one of the best infield prospects in baseball, real life or fantasy. The only thing is, is I don't know where he's going to play right now. Tommy Edmund is off to a very nice start, a guy that fantasy managers were a little bit concerned about, some of it based on spring training. Stop doing that, guys. Spring training is not a great way to figure out whether someone is good or not. The eye test is the eye test, but we should really stop paying so much attention to Arizona. That's how we got in trouble with Shohei Otani. But it is a question mark. of It's not really the, – the question mark is going to be, when St. Louis deems that he's going to make them better. And I think it's pretty close. I really do think that Nolan Gorman is going to be one of the first prospects off this list. Be prepared for a little bit of hit and average, I would guess, just because he's struggled in that category before and will have to face major league hitting for the first time. But the power is legit. His approach at the plate is getting better. The fact he can play at second base or third base is something that's interesting. Obviously, probably going to be second base with Nolan Arenado at the hot corner. But Nolan Gorman is just climbing up lists, and for good reason. Would not shock me at all if he's helping the Cardinals before the end of May. Number two, Adley Rutschman. Again, we're just playing the waiting game. He's dealing with his triceps injury. Going to need some time at AAA. Get him healthy. Get him ready. Still will always wonder whether or not they would have manipulated the service time or not because, I mean, he's as ready to go as any catching prospect as I've ever seen. You know, the case for Moreno and Rutschman again that, that make me worried is just the fact that young catchers often struggle. It is a demanding position, and as talented as those guys are, and you will add Francisco Alvarez to this list or any other catcher that gets called up, there is a learning curve with everybody. It's especially true for catchers because there is just so much demand defensively, and you know it, its obvious point is probably obvious, but Adley Rutschman has a chance to be an absolute exception to that role, as does Moreno, as does Alvarez. I'd rather have him and drop him later than the alternative. Again, I will say this probably every single podcast that I do on this Monday. It is better to be too early than it is too late. And then number one, O'Neill Cruz, a guy that probably should already be on the roster. His numbers aren't great right now. I don't care. I, I, I mean, I could he could be hitting zero 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 all the way across, nine zeros. Doesn't matter. O'Neill Cruz is absolutely ready for Major League Baseball shortstop who can do a little bit of everything and can do a few of those things very, very well. Plus a chance for plus power, a chance for plus plus power, really well above average runner. Surprising. I know for somebody as tall as he is, but he can do a little bit of everything. It's just the fact that there is no reason right now for Pittsburgh to call him up other than goodwill. And I don't think that that matters to the Pittsburgh pirates. You know, they do have a winning record right now. They're on pace to win 90 games. Uh, there's only 153 games to go, so maybe we shouldn't be so hard on him. But yeah, O'Neill Cruz is one of the few prospects that I would absolutely be rostering right now just so I'm ready to go because I would imagine that he's up at the start of May and he can contribute in every fantasy category. We saw in a very small sample what he could do at the major leagues. There's every reason for me to believe that he can do that in a long-term sample. Just, you know, again, prospects are going to fail at times, but... 
O'Neill Cruz is somebody that I like an awful, awful lot. So that's going to do it. Uh, thank you, everybody, for your questions. Again, please send them in. I have loved doing this so far. I think uh, so far nobody's really complained to me about this format yet. So let's keep doing it. And as long as you guys keep sending in these questions, there'll be a reason for me to do it. Uh, stay tuned on Tuesday for Janice and Drew for their Power Rankings episode. You can follow me on Twitter at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. If you like what you heard, please rate the show five stars and make sure you hit the subscribe button wherever you can get podcasts. We really do appreciate the high rating. So until next time, have a great week and we'll see you soon. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 